Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. than ever it's the unofficial 40 from soonerscoop.com now here's the entire sooner scoop crew carrie josh eddie and bob all right it is the unofficial 40 podcast right here on soonerscoop.com as we have a huge week uh, ahead and i don't think it even matters What's going on in Nebraska with their coaching staff? I think that this game is still what we all thought it would be, which uh, other than Nebraska losing a couple of games, uh, this is going to be uh, a little bit of a, uh, a test for Oklahoma going on the road to Lincoln, Nebraska to play Nebraska Cornhuskers, a team that, yes, they just fired their coach, but they're also a team that scores a lot of points on offense. It's a hostile environment. Who knows how the fans are going to react in this game? And I think that's the biggest question. Uh, we welcome in the entire crew, Josh McQuistian, Eddie Radosevich, uh, Bob Prisbillo. I am Kerry Murdoch, and uh, we'll start with Bob as, as I try and do each and every week because you are the guy. You're a beat reporter. Uh, to me, that seems to be the biggest question is, What's the emotion of this game going to be like for Nebraska, not just the fans, but the players? Right. I mean, and that's what, you know, Brent Venable said yesterday. We heard multiple times Monday, we're expecting their best. We're going to, it's game seven whenever you go up against the Sooners. But Brent bought, uh, brought it to another level by saying, when your back's against the wall, when his back has been against the wall, he's produced really great results. And if Nebraska's back isn't against the wall now, then it's never going to be. So this will be a chance to sort of see any new wrinkles, you know, are do are the players in you know, are they inspired in a different way? Do they just throw caution to the wind and say, This is the game we're banking our entire season on from this point on and we're gonna give everything we got. conversely, what if OU jumps out to an early lead is the quit factor, is that something that becomes part of the deal, too? You step think, on the throat. Got to step yep, on the throat. Got to take out the uh, the knife and cut the throat early. Here's my question. Is Trev Alberts playing the role of the uh, the team owner in, in Major League? Like where he doesn't want them to do well so he can make it easier just to get rid of Mickey Joseph at the end of the season? Like, is he going to, like, start making them bust to all their games and stuff? And I don't know if he would have to do too much. I mean, he that do, sounds he mean to say. He can do whatever he wants, but, but it's just easier if, if this team doesn't go out and win every game from here on out. Yeah. And then you have to hire Mickey. I mean, I, mean I, I think that there is, like, an element, though, when Scott Frost did it, you know, it gets announced on Sunday afternoon that he got fired. It's like, oh, shit. Like, damn it. Why'd they have to do it this week? Yeah. Why couldn't they wait till October first and like they were supposed let to the do. sky keep falling right. the next couple of weeks? I mean, I mean I, you essentially paid eight bill eight million dollars for being embarrassed. Yes, like oh Georgia Southern beat us. Well, we got to get rid of them now. Uh, okay, I mean I can't ima- imagine what it's like to have that much money, 
But I mean, even if I had a whole bunch of money, I'm like, why do we just wait till October first to fire this guy instead of paying him a, a premium of eight million dollars? Like, it just uh, I know they they you had to be really pissed. Well, they reached their that's the bar of Nebraska football. Like that's how that's their rock bottom is giving up almost 700 yards to Georgia Southern, uh, letting Clay Helton basically film a WWE type promo in front of the scoreboard and giving up you know. 700 yards, as I said. It, it, what, the first game they've ever lost at home when they've scored 35 points. That, that stat was telling. It's the most uh, – it was the most yards. I mean, it, they breached rock bottom. They There was no good to keep bringing Scott Frost back. And I think that you almost – I guess in a way, that kind of tells me that there's probably some locker room issues if they said to themselves, yeah, we got to act now. We got to get this guy out of here. It's a recruiting thing, like as as we know with the early signing period. The sure. Qu- the quicker you do it, the quicker you can try to bounce back and get that initial boost that any new coach gets. Well, the thing about it is, Josh, it's like uh, we saw that with USC last year, and yeah, they ended up pulling off a coup and getting Lincoln Riley. Uh, there's, but everybody from the from the the beginning said USC didn't need to fire him that early. Like it it wasn't. It wasn't necessary to do that. I don't, and I still don't know what benefits it gave USC. I don't know what benefits it gives Nebraska, uh, because especially a place like Nebraska, where you don't have the recruiting base that a USC has, uh, like how many? You're only hurting yourself with recruiting, aren't you? Firing a coach this early. In a lot of ways, I, I, it's one of those things, and it's crazy, Kerry, that you mentioned the USC comparison because obviously the fact that Clay, like USC, has such a connection to what happened in Nebraska because obviously the Clay Helton situation, and then you throw in how much this feels like what USC did last year when they hired Dante Williams, young guy, really good recruiter, uh, much in, in the same vein of Mickey Joseph, a guy that's really well known and well liked within the area of, of that program. You know, Dante Williams in Southern California, Mickey Joseph obviously playing at Nebraska. There's a lot of connection. But it is um, – I, I, and I also think it's kind of interesting as you look at um, what happened. So Stanford, you know, beat, beat USC last year. Then the next week, uh, USC goes out and plays Washington State and plays easily their best game of the year, just clubs Washington State. And from then on, it's very, you know, very much what, you know, USC had been before. But that down. one week, they got a great performance. And that's what, you know, I'm sure that's what Brent's talking about. Maybe not that example, but just like this week, OU's going to get everything Nebraska's got. Like this is going to be probably the best game they play all year, if I was going to guess. It's so a, It's a program uh, but, game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's talent there, guys. Like, we know Casey Thompson can play football. We know there's some good players on that roster. There absolutely are. So There's not talent on that defensive line, though. That's their biggest problem. Yeah. Is it just the defensive line? I don't know. Is there talent on the defensive side of the football? I'm just saying, you can. Everyone I've seen has run it all over Nebraska. Like, they, they, they have no pass rush. I mean,. I mean, they it's got like, Mathis, and they hadn't done anything. It's strange that a team can be so bad on the defensive line that they can't either stop the run or rush the passer. Like, that's almost impossible at, 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 a, at a school like Nebraska. You think you'd at least go small. Like, we're going to rush the passer, or we're going to go really large and just eat up blocks. Like, one or the other you could commit to and be serviceable at. But to be both is is kind of damning. And then 
you know, we, we've ended the, oh, maybe Northwestern's kind of good when they go and lose to Duke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so you're like, at home, no less. So I, I think, but Carrie, sorry, I, I kind of, I was just kind of looking at that as we got started. And so I kind of had that on the brain. But as far as recruiting, there, there's two ways you can look at it. One is, you know, there are, you have that ability to say, you know what, hey, let's just use Malachi Coleman as a perfect example just because he's very relevant to OU fans. They can go to him, you know, the the coaching staff, uh, whether it's Mickey Joseph or even, you know, people within the administration when Malachi visits Nebraska, they can say, hey, man, we, we know it hasn't been good enough. We're working on it. If you keep the guy, it's still this lingering idea because, like, what are you going to tell Malachi? Like, he's gone after the year. Just bear with us. We're going to get there. Like, so you get to sell the promise and the hope of what it is. And we all know that's, that's half of recruiting. Like, half the teams have success. So they get to say, Hey, look at what we're doing. Look, you know, this is, this is what it looks like. This is what you want to be a part of. And then the others get to sell, Hey, you get to be part of us going to where those teams are. So, it's an easy way to argue either way. I would, I'm one of those people like once you know it's not going anywhere, get it done with. Stop, don't waste time about it. Now, I probably could bide my time for three weeks for seven and a half million dollars. But beyond that, I mean, if there's not a clear monetary gain, just just rip the Band-Aid off. Be done with it. I think walking out of the stadium Saturday night, every Nebraska fan knew that something was coming. I, you know, I talked to uh, our buddy Sean Callahan, and it's just amazing to see. You know, you think back to the night before the Dublin game and they're having that pep rally with 5,000 Nebraska fans in the middle of, you know, basically what is the Central Park in Dublin to Ireland. And less than a month later, they're firing Scott Frost. It, it, it's just amazing that he was up there on that stage with Trev Alberts and now you're looking at a game in which he's not even going to be in the stadium on Saturday. It's completely bizarre to me. Those, I, I mean, it, it, it just kind of <laughs> makes you say like... You know, man, I admire that Nebraska faithful, but they're amazing. Man, what a bunch of hayseeds! Oh, they're, well, they're keep coming. They back. might be crazy. They might keep they're coming part back of a cult. for it year after year after year. They're part of a cult. They're not no, Texas A&M weird. No, they're a good cult. I like these. <laughs> yes, people. yeah. I, I, they I gave don't know, Ted Roof like, his game plan back. That was a great story I mean, this week. <laughs> they gave the world Bob Diaco. I mean, there, there's a lot That's of gifts that good, come from Nebraska. <laughs> so uh, now you know. Again, though, just to put it in perspective, Kerry, you talking about their run defense. Northwest Western ran for seventy six yards against Duke, against Nebraska. They ran for two hundred and fourteen and averaged almost five a pop. Well, like that's just oh, that's shit. hard to put into perspective. It, it was that yeah. it was. I mean, just remember the fourth quarter there when Nebraska's needing a stop and they just kept running basically dives up the a gap and it just like I mean they could they had no First answer. Down. They were just they were getting five six seven yards of carry. Which, you know, I, I guess kind of rounding this back into Oklahoma stuff, if they're going to figure out anything on the offensive line, my God, you would think it's going to be this week. Juan Jay Morris. I don't know. I mean, if you're, if you're bringing back Congle uh, and Congel and Juan uh, Morris, I mean, that could throw a little kink in the works. I mean, too. Like, I mean, I don't think Congel's playing. I just think he's available. Yeah, but I mean, if, if Mattier doesn't play well, I mean, he's the first guy they'll go to. I mean... It does help, though. I mean, I, and I guess we, we talked about this before the opener, but it's like, it's not like these guys just have never played before. AC guy just walked by and just totally freaked me out. Just Eddie, not, I mean, just some, not someday together. Someday it's going to be somebody with a gun and they're going to shoot me. 
do you remember the post game after UTEP and you were like, you know, the, the offensive line, if we're still talking about this in a week's time, okay, maybe there's time to throw up some red flags. Sure. Like, that's my concern. Like, I, 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 now, I will say I thought Lebby was interesting in what he said with, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like we played with a lot better effort. You know, we, we were really straining and working. And, you know, uh, okay. That's not maybe. executing, but yeah. Straining. Yeah, but like, uh, you know, and it's something we t- uh, talked about in The Idiot. Like, they made some changes at halftime of what they were, how, and it was, uh, I want to give credit, I think it's Tim Buck, like TWHS or something. He brought it to my attention. Um, that Oklahoma changed what they were doing as far as how they were going to pick things up with their tackles on that outside zone stuff. So basically they just started ignoring the corners and fo- focusing on the safeties. And that's how Marcus Major made that big, had that big cut is he just cut behind that corner and the safety was already eaten up. So there was some different stuff they, they did and they changed it around. And I, I liked it. I, I did. But to me, that's a, it's one of those deals where you're treating the symptom and not the problem. Like, okay, Cool, you made that work. Should you have had to against a team like Kent State? Like, you know, they, they talk about, like, we want to be Oklahoma. We're going to worry about us and do what we do. And that, I, I agree with that sentiment. Like, I, it's, it's fine. But you had to make that change because you couldn't just do what you do. And, and that, to me, that's, that's one thing if you're playing Baylor. It's another thing if you're playing Kent State. And, that, and to me, that's a concern. But to me, it looked more just like, you know, they didn't really understand how to block that front that they were playing against. And to make those adjustments at halftime, like, let's face it, we're, we, we're used to, you know, watching coaching staff that doesn't make offensive adjustments at halftime. I mean, we're used to a coaching staff that plays really well in the first half and then gets, you know, shut down in the second half. I mean, that's what we're more used to. It's biz- sure. it's It's rare to see a coaching staff that's like, we didn't play that well in the first half. We went inside and made some adjustments, and then in the second half, we were, we were good. Well, so I, 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 I look at it as a positive from that perspective. I, I agree. I, I think that's a really good point. And because, guys, I, you know, obviously I didn't do the post game with you, but you know, my thought was this game would have been tight if this was last year. Yep. Like, th- they would have let Kent State hang around and hang around and hang around, and I was super impressed with how they came out in the third quarter and really answered and just put that game to bed in like five minutes. That that was the the staggering part is how quickly and how rapidly they just put them away. And that that's not I mean, again, that's not a great team. I don't want to oversell it, but that's not a bad Kent State team. And that quarterback, again, did some interesting stuff, gave them some problems. Um, but like I said, it, it, it's just one of those things where the only way I can see, okay, they make a big jump this week is if Wanye Morris just kind of is a confidence builder mentally for that group. Like, okay, now we've got our guys. Now, right. now this is what we've been. Now we can all do what we're doing. We know, you know, we spent all summer, we spent all fall working. Now we, we're, we're right again. And I don't mean that against Guyton because I thought he played a decent game on a Saturday, but maybe it's a mental battle that they can kind of get over now it's going to be really interesting and you know i think it's kind of been thrown out there by multiple people this week as far as is morris just sliding right back into right tackle is that what they're going to do or do you bump him inside and let guyton continue playing right tackle and but see, maybe and th- morris can play guard and this is why i say it could throw a kink in the, in the works is because he's been working scout team i mean yeah he hasn't been working mm-hmm. side by side with those guys uh with the ones i mean it, it's Maybe it's not an adjustment at all, and and you know maybe I'm wrong. I'm just being you know I'm being doom potty, but 
I'd I rather just, take my chances with Morris though than whatever the hell they have been doing. Yes. And it's what they were doing all throughout spring in the first part of camp until Morris's Guys, situation I mean, came, Gray and came to Marcus light. Marcus Major still ran the ball really well in the second half of no, that game. No, they did. They did. But I don't think that what they put out there, like it's one thing I to just, do it against Kent State in the second half. They're going to get beat by Kansas State if they can't. I just haven't seen Wanya yeah. Morrison be, been like, oh, he's really good. Like, it's been more like, why isn't he better? That's fair. That's fine. Yeah. So I don't yeah. see him as a as a you know ultimate solution. Well, here. he's the only last grasp that I have. He's the last straw <laughs> yeah. that I have. Absolutely. Like, yeah. If, if, if it's not him, you're going to go through this issue you can, the entire season. You can push the panic button. And I'm not saying that if they don't run for 200 yards, it's going to be a complete failure in Lincoln either. Uh, you know, I, it's imperative that they start a lot better than they did a week ago. Because the last thing that you want to do is give this Nebraska team that's already going to probably be galvanized and fired up and whatever you want to call it, any slight hope of yeah. thinking, hey, we might have a chance in this you game. You don't want to go out. I mean, the worst thing that you could do is go in there, uh, have Dylan Gabriel throw an early pick. Yep. Uh, defense get, you sure. know, get, let a guy get behind Trey him Palmer. in coverage. Yep. Sure. <laughs> uh, and, and then all of a sudden, it's, you know, Katie bar the door. It's, that's, I mean, that's what you have to avoid. And look, I'm not saying that they're not good enough to be able to overcome that if it, 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 it plays out that way in the beginning. But for your first game on the road with those fans, with the motions that's going to be in that stadium, like, that's the last situation you want to be Did in. Did you guys see the Mike Brooks uh, stat this week? Brought I, to, I think I think Ryan Aber retweeted it in my timeline yesterday. First time since 1937 OU hasn't turned the ball over in its first two games of the season. Yeah, that's I had heard wild. that stat. Yeah. Nineteen thirty-seven? No! Wow, that's amazing. That's insane to me. It's, it's hard to go two games without a turnover. But you would think like all the cupcakes that they've played. I mean, Gabriel's had a couple of passes that should have been intercepted. Should have been, should have been. Yeah. and he did throw the pick that got in the south end zone. Yeah, he got, did throw a pick, but it was pass interference. Right. Yeah. Yep. Right. And I don't know. I think the guy did like grab him. And he did. Oh, it was back, a definite so. penalty. Yeah. You know, it, it is well, what it is. Well, the same thing that happened in the 38 season in game two. Absolutely. PI. Remember it well. There were forward passes in 38, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, how are you having turnovers from, like, 38 to the 40s? Like, don't you know. don't even have forward passes. I guess, though, people True. died when they played college football in those days, so. They survived the war, World War II, I guess. Well, they had to quit for the war for a while. Which you always said was arguable. For the reasons why, <laughs> you f***er. No, it's uh, that Hitler I'm, had some pretty good ideas. I, I don't know. Carrie said some weird stuff. It was that's it was the clip. That's the clip that we use for the uh, social media this week. <laughs> no, it's it. I'm excited about this weekend. I've never been up to Lincoln, so right. uh, it should be should be pretty fun. I. You know, offensively or defensively, it doesn't matter which way we go with this. By the way, you didn't miss anything in 2009. That game, five, five day, interceptions? <laughs> to this day, remains one of the most difficult games I've ever had to watch in person. That I was, mean, it was awful. That was the Indomitian Sioux uh, yes. like, yep. domination That was game. the... The offense basically turned into Landry Jones dropping back and getting rid of the ball, throwing Hail Marys over and over again so Indomitian Sioux did not murder him. Well, I... That, Luckily for Landry Jones, that seemed to be just about everybody that played Nebraska that year. Uh, that was, and which is the most wild part about it is, even though it was 13 years ago, 
it's not that long ago that Nebraska was halfway respectable. And that that's what I think oh, is been Pelini, I mean, funny of the entire week. That's all Brent Venables knows about yeah. Nebraska. So it's not like him trying to build it up in his own head. This is all his memories are Nebraska being one of the best teams in the country year in, year out. So I think Well, he mentioned that that Kansas State game. I mean, to me that was one of the best uh, you know, attempts at beating Nebraska that I saw in that era. Yep. But uh, I mean, those you're talking about I still remember to this day watching that game and just how physical it was and just two teams that had a lot of really good players on both sides of the ball. And, I like, that is a lost era. I mean, like, those Kansas State teams, you can't argue, 98-99, those were the best teams that Bill Snyder ever had when they had Michael Bishop. I don't know if Bishop would have been the quarterback in 98. I'm he sure was he in 98. Okay. I, I, I lived yeah, there, so that yeah. that team is still in my memory. I mean, you, you go through, you know, all the, the eras and, and, and the players that they've had, but those teams, uh, and that was when, you know, they were just killing it on the Juco scene. I don't know if you even followed recruiting back then, mm-hmm. Josh, but like every single, uh, you know, big time junior college kid, and that was when the Jayhawk Conference just had Division One guys left and right. Like they were just feeding off of that Which Jayhawk Conference yep. system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do and that think because that that I mean that's the most organized JUCO conference in the country. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like they they do a really good job top to bottom. Doesn't even seem like those guys play football anymore in the JUCO in the. Oh, I know. It's, oh, it's so different. Like there's no there's not many Terrence Newmans running around in the right. JUCOs in Kansas <laughs> oh anymore. My but I mean, God. there are. Who was the linebacker yeah, from Garden so, City? Uh, Who was the linebacker from Garden City that Kansas was State that, had? Was that Jonte Buell? No. Was that him? Was he a? They had. He, I remember oh, the rumor um, was that he was driving around like a BMW mm-hmm. or something, and like it was like, oh, they pawed him. Yeah. It was like, what? Not, uh, God, he was really good too. What was his name? Um, like Michael. Something. No, uh, it wasn't. Might have been Kelly. I don't know. You have to look up linebackers. Like yeah, there there, there was. Yeah, the, the Kelly kid, um, that would have been under Brent. Um, let's see. Where is he? Specialist defense. Yeah, line. Cause it, okay. Cause it felt like Jeff Kelly. Okay. Jeff Kelly, yeah. It felt he, like that's a guy. There Last was Jeff year, Kelly and there was Mark Simino. Seminoe's the one oh, I was thinking. Yeah. Was, I mean, Simino played the NFL forever. Mm-hmm. felt yeah. like last yeah, year they were trying to too. manufacture interest in this game because no one had actually been a part of it, where this year it feels a little more real because Brent has had those firsthand accounts. And just that answer yesterday gives you an idea of what this game really means to him. Well, and I think that, you know, Carrie and I talked about on the postgame podcast, if there's going to be anybody that I would feel confident about preparing this team to be mentally ready and to be ready for what they're about to see on Saturday... I think it's Brent Venables and this coaching staff. It's easy to say that two games in. We haven't seen anything other than, uh, you know, obviously what we know about him. But, you know, I I would be slightly more worried if it was last year's staff preparing this team to get ready to go up to play a Nebraska team that is going to, at least from the beginning, feel a little rejuvenated about things, just with Scott Frost not being on the sidelines anymore. I mean, I you don't know. I, I I wonder how that goes. I mean, it really comes down to how do the players feel about Scott Frost? Like, yeah, yeah. You sure. know, do they is is this something that they take to heart and it pisses them off, or like you feel like you cost the man his job that you really care yeah. about? Like, I don't know how you work through the emotions. I, and I think that's what Brent 
you know, is probably going to keep him up at night and uh, Jeff Lebby and Ted Roof, like what kind of, what kind of team are they, are they facing a wounded animal? Or are they facing uh, a scared animal? Like what exactly, how are the emotions going to play out? I feel like it's going to be like one of those animals that is like going to be fighting for its life as it's dying. And you just got to, it's, it's got to kill it. It's a little heartless, but you just got to go up there and take the knife out of your pocket and go up to its neck and just slit the throat. Like is Mickey Joseph's pregame speech going to be about how he he went to see Coach Frost the night before and oh I don't uh, just, he, he had to take, on his deathbed he had to take the gun away from him uh, and the last thing he said to me was I want you to win it for me and I'm checking into the win it for the Frosty Mental Institute mental next. If you if you win, Mickey I'm Joseph. checking into the mental institute to get help. If you lose, I've got another gun. <laughs> Mickey Joseph kind of seems like the guy. I'll that be would dead just, before you find me. Yeah, go up to Scott Frost and just shoot him in the head. <laughs> oh God! Why does it always come to murdering people with you? Because I think that that's probably what they should have hey, done to hey, Scott Coach Frost. Bam! Yeah, that's what they should have done. No, it, it it's gonna be interesting. He's got it. Look, he's got it. It's gonna take him a while to spend that seventeen million dollars. He's the big winner out of all. He this. is. He won. There's not gonna be any gun involved he whatsoever. Ed, where are he and Edo vacationing? They no. gotta be vacationing somewhere. Really <laughs> well, that's what together. like Edo has come out and admitted. Like they gave me seventeen. Yeah, million that was a great away. clip. I mean, that was a great clip. It does who, seem who like do that. Yeah. Just from what reading, door do I leave through? <laughs> just from reading everything that is out there as far as the way that this all went down over the last you know couple days up in Lincoln, it seems like everybody. The only reason Scott Frost was back was because he was one of them, and probably a little bit because of the money. And Trent Alberts was new to the job. He and was he given to that extra benefit. Like was. everybody wanted it to work out. It just didn't. Everybody knew he should have been gone after 2021. Just, sure. Just like Clay Helton the previous year. Sure. Like, you know he should be gone, but you brought him back, and now you're stumbling again. Yeah, it's just like just, I mean, Kingsbury and Mike McCarthy. Like, no one has been able to to kind of unlock the, the secret to Nebraska football because the way the world has changed, it's just like we were talking about with Kansas State. They figured out, you know, they used what they had, which was the Jayhawk Conference junior college system. Uh, Nebraska... I mean, what do they have? What's their and, and no one's come in there like with a pipeline to anywhere to bring kids in there. Or uh, I mean, hell, maybe they need to go out and hire like a seven-on-seven seven scumbag or something. <laughs> read, like they try to bring kids in from Florida. Like they tried to change it all up, and that fell apart. And and they're trying to go back to their roots, and it's like nothing. Again, nothing's connecting. I, I just don't know how you fix that. And I think if anybody was going to and maybe that's part of the problem, too. Kids today don't know anything about Scott Frost. Caden Helms didn't know about OU Nebraska being a thing when we talked yeah. to him yesterday. Oh, I think that, that just about every a Nebraska player. Kid. A Nebraska yeah, like, kid. I mean, what, what's your biggest sell at Nebraska? Hey, we sell out all of our games. I mean, truly, yep. even for me, I'm 35, and like really the only memories, true memories of like Nebraska football that I have are kind of loosely... Like, I don't really truly remember 95 National Championship in the Fiesta Bowl against Florida. I do, but I don't. Okay. I kind of remember, like... It was impressive. I kind of, like, truly the only, like, real thing that I remember, and obviously my family has told me about it, and my, you know, dad and uncle, uncle played in the 71 game. It just, like, maybe the 73-21 game here in Norman, I remember being there, but I don't truly, like, 
remember it. The one you mean the one where oh. Schnellenberger was the coach? Yeah, I want to say like ninety six or ninety seven. They put seventy three up here in Norman. Or that was probably when Blake was here because that's when they started selling trail at, at so running back. Yeah, ninety eight. Yeah, like I remember that, but I, at the same time, I was eleven or nine. Yeah, that was. I mean, you remember peak Nebraska and lowest of lows Oklahoma sure. I mean yeah. I re- and the only reason like I know about really, it really is- I mean like the Gary Gibbs era those games were competitive but you never felt like OU was going to win yeah. like um, I, I'm just trying to think I mean really you do have to go back to Switzer and Osborne to where this was truly a great rivalry yeah. where you felt like and, and like I don't think of like the 2010 Big 12 championship is like I don't see that as like oh that was one of the great games no and, and even no. though Oh, you came roaring back in the second half. It just wasn't one of those there, games where it felt like, wow, that was a classic. I it, mean, like I would say the game in Kansas City at Arrowhead. 2006 was a better yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. where, where uh, Jermaine Gresham had, you know, the catch and 99-yard drive. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just different. It's different. Like, And I don't really even think of somebody like Kenny Stills or something that really embraced the OU Nebraska rivalry. I'm, no, because it meant nothing back it. then either. Yeah. Right, I mean, right. Once they split the divisions and you didn't play them every year, sure. And every, like I, the playing OU Nebraska being played on uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving after the, was never a thing in my life. Yeah, I could see yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I, I well, know the thing. about it's like, it. Oh, it's I, when people are like, oh, "I really wish we had we would bring back OU Nebraska for post Thanksgiving," or it's like it doesn't matter anymore. But I, I say that, and at the same time, I do understand. And respect like how big of a deal it is, and the you know grander big scale thing of how big the tradition is. Like the OU, I was looking at old pictures last night, and like the Barry Switzer, Tom Osborne, something about those old pictures. It's just like wow, that that's that's college football. I mean, that's the thing about it. Like it, it it's really it takes years and years of developing a a a, a, a rivalry between two really good programs, like. Kansas State remembers that Nebraska rivalry fondly in the mid-90s to late 90s. And that's it. <laughs> and that's it, yeah. Like, Oklahoma, it's just been too long. Like, OU Texas has continued to go. Bedlam has been the bell cow, pretty much, that's been, you know, something that fans get excited. It's all replaced Nebraska. And, you know, going to the SEC, it's going to start up a whole new thing for a new generation of, of, of people that's going to grow up to watch that. Sure. Uh, Nebraska just doesn't fit in anymore. And... I'm afraid to say that Bedlam's probably going to you know, go the same way eventually. I don't think I'm ready for that conversation. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I, again, that, that's emotional damage. That I'm not ready for that. So, But at the same time, you know, I guess just getting back to the game on Saturday, it defensively it feels like, oh, you, I mean, we've kind of talked about it with the players this week, Bob, just as far as the foundation that they've set here over the first couple games. This thing feels really positive. I mean, it was another really, really good performance against Kent State. Yeah, the, the first half was a little weird because it felt like tackle for loss, tackle for loss. Oh, gave up a major third down conversion, and that felt PTSD of what we've seen the last couple of years. But they figured it out in the second half, and you're starting to see what we asked about in the preseason. Was this going to be a collective group that was really good, or were some stars to start to emerge and look at what Danny Stutzman and Reggie Grimes have done and Billy Bowman in the back end too. There's three guys right there that you're starting to feel like you can count on to make major plays every single week. 
By the way, Josh, do we have an update on uh, on shrimp from you? You know, it is beautiful that you asked me that. Uh, Tiffany had a work meeting last night, and I was like, you know what I'm making tonight? So I did the, was it, uh, cracked pepper and lemon. Lemon and cracked pepper. Cracked pepper, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And had it, it was awesome. Uh, Mixed it with, um, uh, I I just, I I used it. It, It's a little different than some of the others that are kind of like, oh, you'd put them on pasta or something like that. I did it a little differently, just kind of did it with like a, almost like a salad, just to kind of, because it's it's not as, I don't know, like saucy, I guess, if you don't really like that kind of stuff. So I liked it a lot. Went, you know, went through it. Uh, actually, uh, Layla ate one of them. So anytime I can get my children to eat anything that is not like mac and cheese or peanut butter and jelly, that's a <laughs> yes. huge win in my life. So, uh, that, that's, or that was nuggets. a parenting, you know, one, yeah, exactly. Like one for dad kind of moment there. So, um, but she ate it, liked it. So there is, um, there, there may have to be another order just because it's something they will eat. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I really liked it. I finally got around to having it and I was like, I can talk about this on the pod. I was completely ready and prepared for this conversation. Now we're talking about primeshrimp.com, P-R-I-M-E shrimp.com. Uh, you could go take advantage of, uh, uh, of us, uh, in our promo code, uh, sooner scoop, and you'll get $20 off your first order. Uh, as Josh said, dad was able to cook all by himself. There's no prep. There's no mess. Uh, Find you something to cook on the side or, or just make a salad like Josh did. Uh, and uh, you can get pick from a lot of different uh, of their signature sauces and, and styles. you got the French Quarter Alfredo, the garlic herb butter, Louisiana shrimp oil, the signature sauce, a signature style. And you get just simply shrimp where you season uh, with whatever you want if you, you uh, uh, look at yourself as a, a chef in training. And uh, the brand new lemon and cracked pepper. That's primeshrimp.com. Uh, can't thank you guys enough for your support uh, of uh, our their sponsorship of the uh, unofficial 40 podcast, but go check them out. PrimeShrimp.com, P-R-I-M-E, Shrimp.com. Use that promo code, Sooner Scoop. You'll get $20 off your first order. All right. Um, I will say this about kind of just the players and, and you know what OU is facing. Like To me, this is the ultimate test of whether or not this defense is... Not fixed, but legit. I see that. Because, I mean, what Casey Thompson did to him last year, first off, and what the offense and Grant at running back have been able to do the first three games, they put up points. They put up yards. Like, I don't expect that. Like, that offense isn't going to fall off a cliff because Scott Frost is gone. If it falls off a cliff, it's because OU's defense is where it needs to be. I think it might be better with Scott Frost <laughs> gone. You know, there there has been a lot of talk about that. Though. Yeah. Just like he hasn't been allowing Mark Whipple. I heard a oh, really? Nebraska radio guy say that, you know, when he walked out in the second half against North Dakota with a uh, an offensive play sheet, people in the crowd were losing it. Because they, I mean, that's what Whipple was brought in. Every for. time that Scott Frost made a decision, it was the wrong one. Going back to the uh, the onside, and I think that's oh, when geez, I forgot about that's that. when Trev Alberts, I think, really started thinking like, and and Sean Callahan talked about this just as far as when they onsided the kickoff in Dublin. Trev Alberts, I guess, was on the sidelines. And he was into the game. He was, and then they did the onside. And I guess his body language just completely changed. And it was just a steady trickle from you know downhill after that, as far as Scott Frost's career. And I, you know, 
It'll be interesting. That's why. I, that's why I have moments of pause when I say, I think OU goes up there. They should win by a couple touchdowns. But I say that Nebraska's last, you know, thirteen losses have been by one score. But at the same time, I do think that there's going to be some stuff that they throw at Oklahoma this weekend from an OU defensive perspective. That it's going to be a nice, a really nice test before the uh, pickup of obviously the K State game and then TCU in Texas. I, I, I mean, like when I watch the Northwestern game, and that's the one game I can say I've watched from beginning to end for Nebraska. Like when I heard the name Mark Whipple, I was just kind of like, okay, I know the name. And then you look him up and like his really his biggest success in college was being um, Pitt's quarterback last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kenny Pickett's quarterback. He probably found him underneath the bus that uh, Narduzzi Nardu- ran him over with. <laughs> well, I, I don't. I can't remember what happened there. Narduzzi, didn't he say after the first, uh, I think it was before the first game of the year against West Virginia that they didn't run the ball enough uh, last year and just completely threw him under the bus. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean. Yeah, had a Heisman finalist at quarterback, but mm -hmm. he did a poor job. And a Belitnikoff wide receiver. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I would love to cover Pat Narduzzi. I think that would be a lot of fun because he just seems like he's half crazy. Oh, I think he half. I think he's half full crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, I like, think in the last like six months he's become salty as hell. Yes, well, yeah. After the he pretty much lost it once the Addison thing happened. But no, I mean, Whipple seems like kind of one of those guys that is made for like Brent Venables to feast on. Like he's got that you know that pro career where he's been a coordinator, you know, not a coordinator but a quarterbacks coach. Uh, he was like at Miami as a coordinator, uh, but like he's a, a QB coach with the Browns. Uh, boy, that was pre-Baker. Um, that didn't last long. Um, and I mean, it's just like, he seems like one of those guys that he's 65 years old. Like, he's probably set in his ways. Like, there's a lot of film. You kind of know what you're getting. Like, to me, this seems like a pretty good matchup coaching-wise between Venables and his staff and and Mark Whipple. It, it, it helps, too, doesn't it, Josh? The, that might be I mean, anti-old defensively, statement. I don't know if they're doing anything at an elite level. But it seems real solid across the board. Defensive line, you know, you brought it up in the Monday morning, idiot. I thought Isaiah Coe had a really nice game did. against Kent State. It just seems like they're getting good play from all three levels of the defense. And that could be for the first time in a long time that you could say that. Well, you know, it, it is, it, to me, like it, it's like anything else, or not anything else, but I think in defense, if you've got a solid core up the middle, you're going to be really tough to beat. And if your core is Isaiah Coe playing the way he has the first two weeks, Danny Stutzman playing, you know, at a level even beyond I think what I could have hoped for him. Like he, he's really he, that was one of the best linebacker games I've seen in ten years at Oklahoma. Like the, he was that was that was on the Brian Asamoah Asamoah <laughs> at Baylor level last year. Like, I thought he ass. was just unbelievably good. Yeah, and then you've got Billy Bowman. I mean, like, that's yep. a really solid spine sure. of your defense. And then you throw in guys like Grimes that are playing well. Uh, Justin Harrington starting to make some plays. Like, so there, there's a lot to like there. But I agree with you. Like, I think there are two or three real standouts. And I really, Stutzman and Bowen, uh, Bowman are those two to me. And then I think you've got a lot of really solid guys around. Reggie Grimes is making some nice plays. I think he's been a little opportunistic. It's, it's been a, maybe a little better um, on the stat line than what's actually happened in the game. But uh, don't get me wrong, he's playing well. Um, 
But I, I think, you, you, you know, there's still some things that are growing and developing. I want to see what they can develop as a pass rush, you know, kind of opposite of Grimes. Uh, Ethan Downs has been solid, but, I, you know, you kind of thought, okay, maybe we'll see a little more with all the buzz that, you know, that clearly he's a guy that Coach Chavis loves, uh, Brent loves. I mean, because he's just an easily likable kid. Like, you yeah. get it. Um, but I want to see, can he take his play to the level that I think was kind of hinted at, I guess you'd say. So, um, I, like I said, I want to see where that goes. But I, I do. I, I like what this defense is doing. I think that's the best news for Oklahoma going into this game. This would feel like a massive trap the last two or three years. And this point, you're like, well, whatever else happens, Nebraska's not going to run away from Oklahoma. Like They're not going to go and put up 30 and, oh, you can't keep up. Like It's not going to be that kind of game. Worst, you know, worst case you try to get out of there 24-17 and just live your life. You know, and that's that's kind of what I was going to ask you guys. For you, I mean, like, uh, to me, go win. Just whatever, just win. Get out of there, and that's fine. Like, this is a, this is a big, lot of, lot of variables that are hard to foresee in this game. So, to me, you go win, you move on about your life. What is the kind of win, though, that, you know, and I, I realize like it can be so varied in this answer, but for fans, like what's an acceptable win? Like what's something they should feel good about? Is it 31 17, something like that, where you play pretty clean ball? I mean, what, what are kind of the, the marks that if Oklahoma is going to be a playoff team, like what, what are the things that you would want to see? It's such a cliche answer, but if they go up there and control the football game where there's just never that feeling of mm-hmm. Nebraska grasping at your heels, uh, in the third or fourth quarter, if it's if it's controlled, I feel like that would be you'd walk out of there and go, okay, this team could be pretty good. I feel like there's so many different answers though. There's sure. like, okay, what's the score for 100%. Sooner Scoop Twitter mentions? Like that score is seventy seven to zero. Hundred percent. Um, and uh, Dylan Gabriel throws for five hundred yards, and there are no tackles for loss at all uh, on offense. But <laughs> like realistically. Yeah, I mean, I think in 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 the high thirties, low forties to ten. That's wow. kind of an ass kick. That, I mean, you yeah, say is that a playoff team? Sure, sure. Like that's sure. a playoff okay. team. Because I okay. like again, when I said that I think it's going to be a tight ball game and a really tough ball game. I'm not saying that I think Nebraska is any good. I don't think that they're good. Does that make sense? What would yes. what would the 100%. What, if everything had played according to play and like. I think we forget last year, like we made it out like like Nebraska was another game where OU got out front and then let him back in it. But that wasn't – didn't Nebraska have a little bit of a lead at halftime? Ooh, that's a great question. What was the score at halftime? It wasn't pretty. <laughs> because, I mean – I want to say it was like 17-14 or something like that. They might have had a three-point lead at halftime. Might have been like 10-7. I'm looking it up. Hang on. Let's see here. Uh, it was it was seven three at halftime. Oklahoma was up seven. Yeah. Oh, they were up seven three. Okay. And Nebraska went up. Wow. I I forgot Nebraska. No. No. Okay. Okay. I was missing. I was reading a a number wrong. I was like Nebraska to the third with a lead. It was going to be fourteen ten, but they blocked the extra point and mm-hmm. took it for two. It was sixteen nine. Yeah. Then yeah. it's twenty three nine. That's right. And then Nebraska scored. That's right. OU goes up twenty three to nine on a Kennedy Brooks. Uh, touchdown run. What was that? 
right beginning of the fourth quarter. So you're basically yeah, ten, up 14 to begin. Because then the DJ Graham pick didn't mean anything because they punted. It was on fourth down. Yeah. They, okay. they punted right away. That's and then Nebraska right. scored on that next That's drive right. because okay. of the field position. It was still a great pick. Shut yeah, up, it was people. Still a great Stop pick. it. Yeah. I don't want to get mad. Course, I'm not I, gonna... I said it. I mean, I said, like, they're going to be replaying that highlight, and they still they replay still that highlight. I mean, not even just OU replay. Like, ESPN replays that highlight all the time still. It probably plays in USC's pregame stuff. Like, they probably <laughs> put that up there. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I if you, said, if you told me right now. 35-24, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I take is, that is, immediately. Yeah, 100%. And that's, I would take and, it. and that's not even, I guess, quote-unquote a cover, right? Because I think it's still hovering around 12, 12 and a half. I mean, look today. That'd be too uh, I, many points, I think. People don't want to see Nebraska scoring 24. But I they average what, 45, so you just have to live with it. They're good offensively, yeah. though. Yeah, they can score some points. And they're at I, home. I think what Eddie said is a really good point. If there's no point in the second half when Nebraska has the ball and could tie the game, I think you're doing well. Like that's okay. Like that's a reasonable. You know, it, it's twenty four ten. Like okay, they could get within a touchdown, or they could get within three, or something like that. But they never have the ball with a chance to tie the game. To me, whatever you get above that, that's that's mustard. Oh, like, that, you, that's great. Of course, you, if it's twenty four ten, Nebraska at halftime, like that's. Well, we you, might not have come back to Norman. <laughs> that's a problem. We Bob and I might just head for Canada. Well, Eddie. I, you know, I was thinking about this. You're the most well placed of us to know the temperature of Nebraska. I mean, this yeah, is you're almost a Nebraska at this point. Yeah, is there anywhere on earth you've lived, you know, as long other than Oklahoma than you've lived in Nebraska? Not thirteen, not thirteen consecutive days, and that's why when <laughs> Caden Helms talks about getting twenty four tickets for his family and all this fanfare about him returning home, nobody has said <laughs> shit about me going back to Nebraska. <laughs> Your home away from home. It is my home away from home. I'm gonna. Like, I have some places that I'm gonna be taking Bob to the drover. Do they just like Betty? They better be. They better be. <laughs> it's gonna be like a good fellas. Eddie's gonna walk through the back door. He and Bob are gonna get a table right at the front of the stage. That's right. That's right. That's where we'll be going to lunch on Friday. Who was the the recruit that recreated that? Oh, uh, the was uh, Adrian Ely. I think it was think Adrian. It, yeah, that yeah. Is, I think that's right. He did the, the reservoir restaurant. dog. He did reservoir dogs. Ely did. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're and he right. said he, he had never it's... seen the movie. He had no idea what what, right. what the heck they were oh, doing. That's kind of a party Sand. foul, right that's there. Beautiful. Oh. <laughs> Eddie, pop quiz. Have you ever seen Reservoir Dogs? I have seen Reservoir Dogs. Okay. Hey, there's a win for. I us. mean, that's a uh, that's a that's a Sunday AMC kind of staple, isn't it? Uh, like a rainy not, I don't Sunday find afternoon. it all that rewatchable thanks to the ear scene. The ear scene. Yeah, the ear scene. Oh, ears hard. <laughs> because no matter what... Maybe that's why start, everything even, comes back to murder for me. Even when you start the movie, <laughs> you're like, okay, I can only watch this until the ear scene. So is it even really worth getting into? Sure. The, there are movies like that where you're just like, I, I, I can only go an hour 10 in because now we're 11, I'm out hard. Well, like so, I'm never watching yeah. The Joker again. Like, I've watched it. I enjoyed it. I'm never watching it again. That was uh, Traffic for me. That movie from the early 2000s. A great, like, drug movie. God, it's hard to watch again. Like, it's a great movie, and you know it is, but you're just like, man, I can't can't invest myself again. It's it's just like, I don't know, you feel dark. Like, you feel like you're going into a bad, bad place. What's the other one? Crash? Yeah. That's a hard movie to watch. I know the movie, but I don't think I've ever seen it. I I don't think I've ever seen Crash, honestly. I remember it being really... All the um, intertwining stories coming coming together. That's... uh, There's the one that... Quentin Tarantino type deal. 
Oh, and see, and I would say Reservoir is one of the few way few movies I feel that way about. Like I could watch Pulp Fiction. Yes, six a.m. No, like, in the morning, Pulp midnight Fiction, at night. I'm in on all of it. Pulp Fiction, Goodfellas, Casino, like those are murder mm-hmm. movies that you can rewatch over and over. Oh God, Casino's so great. Sorry, wow, I don't know how we got here, but uh, I mean the head vice scene. I'll even watch that again just because it's. I mean, you've never seen somebody's <laughs> head put in a vice like that. Just him screaming at him like you made me do this to you, you idiot for him. <laughs> and then the eye. Uh, oh. Maybe that's something that they should start doing to Dylan Gabriel if he holds on to the ball. There, you, and now we're back on track. Now, way to bring it back to OU football in the most awkward and terrible way. <laughs> You're welcome. That's, that's beautiful. Well, we're uh, best friends yeah. now. We were joking at practice, so we can say that. Well, even Levy said it Monday, though. No, we did. He yeah, did. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that offensively it's been good, but maybe not what I thought. Is that fair? Agreed. How much do you think both of our points of view are affected by what we've seen for a the lot. last 10 years? Like, a lot. Riley is – I mean, guys, I can't lie. I'm, I, I'm even surprised with how quickly he's got that offense running at USC. Like, that's, that's pretty damn they, – they just marched on Stanford. And Stanford's terrible defensively, but still. That's like that, that is That's your guy, David Shaw. Yeah. Who I've been saying is overrated for a long, long time. Yeah. Don't fumble in the red zone. I, that that game is fairly tight if they stop turning the ball over inside the twenty. Stanford uh, cares they, more about having former uh, or a few you know NFL Hall of Famers kids than they do being good at football. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sign all the ex all of Hall of Fame running backs kids. They're gonna do all that. So, um, but yeah. I, I can't, like, I look at it, and statistically, it's pretty strong what OU's doing offensively. It's not bad or anything like that. They're, they're points per play. I, I put up something on the board. OU's, like, number three in the country right now in defensive points per play, and offensively, they're, like, number 17. It's not bad or anything. It's not like they're being unproductive. It's just, you know, we got so used to, like, just every series, you were like, they may score a touchdown here. Yeah. Like, you just get that vibe and right now it sputters a little bit and it's not quite there but again it's it, it is it's a new system it's different it's a change new quarterback offensive line's got a lot of turnover you know the receiver I'll say this room though is, I mean it's, it's sketchy I'll say this though I mean we all we all noticed like that the offense was not what it was under Baker and Kyler like it just I mean it just wasn't I mean that explosive you know, uh, yards you per mean play under stuff. The last few years? What, did, what did I say under Baker? No, no, no. You, you said Ryan. you said it, it wasn't the same as as. Well, yeah, Tyler I mean, just and assuming, Baker. Right? You yeah. mean after they left? I got right you. I got after you. they left because I mean they were doing stuff like when you would look at the the stat sheet uh, and they were averaging like eleven yards per snap and stuff like that. I mean, it was just incredible. Like we college football's never seen anything like that before. That's why I since. kept saying this is not normal, folks. Yes. Enjoy it. It is funny though, but because we talk like, man, this defense and you know, or uh, this offense and Dylan Gabriel needs to play better and all this stuff. Look at the game notes this week. Dylan Gabriel ranks eighth nationally, number eight nationally, one ninety point one passing efficient efficiency rating. Uh, top quarterbacks nationally in yards per pass, he is ninth at ten point three seven passing yards per completion, nineteenth at fourteen point seven completion percentage. 22nd at point, uh, 70.6. Like he, there's st- he's still they're still playing very good football. It's just not elite, I think and just going to have some 
getting used to. Here's the other thing, though. I mean, they played two games against UTEP and Kent State. Like, we all know coaches don't like showing a lot of stuff oh, early in the season. Oh, it's been vanilla, vanilla. Yeah, like, there's, there's so much more to come. Like, sure. I'm not judging this offense 100%. On, on, you know, what it's going to be based on the first two games. And, and then you've got, you know, Theo Weiss getting back into it. Uh, I mean, Drake I Stoops need, hasn't been that I much. I need Jalil Farouk to like catch I need ball. Air. Well, no, I thought, <laughs> Bob, I thought that was the ball. I thought that was interesting this week. I mean, he got you know the coaches were defending him a little bit, saying yep. like you know he's doing all the things right. The ball just hasn't come his way yet. Sure. And a lot of people are mentioning that Farouk is on the right side with Dylan being a left left-handed quarterback yeah. and just not looking his way enough. Yeah, it sounds like, and you know, again, being down on the field, it's hard to tell this stuff, but. Underneath stuff was wide open. He just is not seeing the field maybe as well as he should. I I would agree with that. I mean, I I remember being obsessed about that with Landry Jones uh, and just kind of always noticing that he favored one side of the field. And I'm seeing a little bit of that with Dylan Gabriel. Is that cause for concern, Josh? Or is maybe that something that as he gets more comfortable out there, I think we forget that he did miss an entire season. Is he just getting back to the action? I kind of asked Dylan Gabriel about this yesterday, and he kind of played it down. But it is, I guess, somewhat kind of interesting. Hey, talk about the part of your game where you suck. Yeah, I basically asked him that. But we're best friends now, so we were, we were okay. We could joke around about that. I mean, he didn't make a jo- joke about the size of your shirt or anything, man. Like, you're, Well, you're I beat him to the punch, beautiful. and I said, I'm just a fat-ass asking. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of gave him ammo there, but uh, no, take the shot for him. No, yeah, don't I, let him take you take the shot absolutely. before he can. My my no biggest concern that I've seen is is timing. Like it just looked at times, and I'm not saying all the time or anything. And you know, every it's not like I'm saying anything anybody doesn't know. It just looked like he would hold it a little too long. A couple, yeah. you know, especially in that first half there, that one where he scrambles out right. And he, he evades one, and, like, he's outside the pocket. Just throw the ball away. Like, live to play the next play. Like, it, it's – I think – I don't know if, you know, and I won't claim that I've seen enough of his UCF tape to know, but you wonder if, like, he's trying to, I don't know, do a little too much right now. Like, just just let it be, man. Let it come to you. It'll be okay. You don't have to be the hero. You know, you don't have to win the Heisman Trophy in week two or anything for Oklahoma. Like, just make the plays that are there. And there's just been a few times. But I thought, like, there, there's there been what, guys? Probably four to Farouk that were just inches away from being right on the money. Like, it feels like it's just a little bit of a cohesion thing. I, 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 I mean, he delivers a beautiful ball. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's really nice to watch. And I, I just think it's going to be – I really think it's going to be okay. I, I think there is – um, there's enough talent, you know. I and I said it the a second ago. It's called the wide receiver room sketchy, and I just mean like there's not a lot that's proven yet. I think there's good talent there. I think Jaden Gibson, um, I, at some point, he's gonna emerge. And they're I starting to walk in touchdown. I mentioned it to Bob. Yep, walk in touchdown. The throw that uh, the defensive back for Kent State made a great play on it there in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. on Saturday again. Uh, you know, Saturday night. That was a well-thrown ball like sometimes you just got to tip your cap and say that was a great defensive play well and i think you know we're learning the the go ahead josh oh go ahead go ahead i was gonna say that's like the schley uh scramble on that third when he's fallen out to his left and he hits the the receiver 
on the sideline, you're yeah. like, holy God, like that's just a great play. I don't know what you do about that. I think what it comes down to is every quarterback has a personality, and we're kind of learning what Dylan's is. And personally, I think his personality so far is he likes to take the big shot. He likes to hit the big he hits he likes the long ball. He's like the chicks yeah. like the long ball, Dylan Gaber likes the long ball. And I think probably, you know, he just needs to realize like when you have the athletes that you have at Oklahoma, just like the Drake Stoops pass that went for yep, a touchdown. Sure. Like sometimes trust him. He, yeah, he hasn't played in an offense where he has the athletes that he has uh, like a Theo Weiss that can make guys miss on the sideline. And, you know, he likes Marvin Mims because uh, he played with Jalen Robinson, right, at UCF? Yep. He should have, yeah, yeah, yeah. for that one season. But would, would that would have been yep. when he was and, sitting uh, out, though? or 20. No, he, no. He was in, a weapon in for 20. In, okay. In 2020. Yeah, at 20, they would have had a four-year. They would have had, yeah. and he put a um, monster number. Right, okay. Jalen's kind of like breakout, wasn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, that's what he... That's his success is having a guy like that, and I think that's how he sees Marvin Mims. But like you said, scanning the field, finding an outlet guy, like you know, he's going to learn that more with Eric Gray. I mean, like you have a lot of options, you got to use them. It's so weird because he does. It does feel like he loves that deep ball, but I don't think I would consider him like a gunslinger. Yeah, like I would, like I would a Baker Mayfield. It doesn't. His, the ball doesn't have that pop on coming it. off of his hand. Yeah, like it's a, it's a nice ball that he's throwing. But and it's almost also it's kind of his throwing motions, kind of you know it's it's kind of sidearm. Yeah. But like it just doesn't seem like he's just not that guy. That the ball comes out of his hand, you're like, whoa, he really just needs to be a really great manager, velocity. just a great manager of the game. If he can do that and Guys, not turn the ball over, live what with he, it. which is what he's done through the first two games. Yeah, we sound we sound negative about a guy that completed seventy five percent of his passes on Saturday night for an average of ten and a half yards per attempt. Oh, I know. Like that. The problem I mean, is, like, and, and the Big I, I don't want to overstate week. what we're saying right, here. Like, right. Yeah, but the problem is, you're playing at Oklahoma, well. and and you're measured against. Sure. Uh, I mean, some of the best that have ever played. If, and it football. also, I guess, in recent memory, it kind of feels like the walls are closing in a little bit too because you're losing weeks. Like they, I, yeah. Obviously, Saturday's coming, but that next Saturday, that's a big boy yep. football game. I know OU needs to play well this weekend mm-hmm. and get through Lincoln because. Of everything else that could happen if you aren't if you don't go up there and take care of business, I think OUK State is circled right now as maybe my game of the year for Oklahoma. Just as far as what is this, thing? and that means you know that also brings up like that's why it's so important to get the offensive line one hundred week because 100%. next week you're going to face by far the best defensive line that you'll you've, face a team that can maybe, beat you. Maybe the best defensive line you'll see all year. By the way, I want to get this in real quick. Dead Soxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. Uh, go check them out. The, the temperatures are starting to come down, but uh, they're still around long enough where uh, you need to stock up on your no-shows. Uh, but the team colorways, go check them out. Uh, get your crimson and uh, cream uh, packages that they've got those in stock still. Uh, get ready for the season. I know you're going to have to put the long pants on here pretty soon. Uh, so uh, if you don't have some, use that promo code SCOOP and you'll get 25% off your entire order. Uh, or if you just need some socks or, you know, it's amazing how much I find out that we have all these female listeners. Eddie and I met one a couple weeks ago uh, that came in during the weekend from D.C. Uh, Mackenzie, I believe was her name. 
Uh, so shout out, McKenzie. But like, uh, you got the hubby. I'm just nodding, so I can't be liable. I forgot. Uh, of course you did. Uh, but you know, you got the hubby out there. Uh, great gift for him. Uh, DeadSoxy.com. D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. Uh, longtime sponsors of the Unofficial 40. We certainly appreciate them. We hope you go, will support them. Use that promo code SCOOP and get 25% off. Uh, but no, I mean, we talked about it early. Wanye Moore is coming back. Uh, Robert Conjol, I know Bob hates him. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not even. He's not Ooh, even like we only it. had video right now. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and, and you know, even um, who am I for, forgetting that? I mean, Key Lawrence. There wasn't a Nick there, Anderson. Oh, Nick Anderson Nick, was Nick the Anderson other guy he mentioned. Might, yeah, might which finally get the suit up. I think we don't. We all know we've seen Jaden Gibson not get enough snaps. That we don't think oh. we don't know if Anderson's really going to play in, right. um, but especially on the road. So, you know, getting those guys together and, and finding a combination that works. And uh, unfortunately, you're not playing a good defensive line, so you're not going to get strained probably as much as you'd want, as Brett Venables would say. Uh, you are going to get. You're right though. You are going to get strained massively against Kansas. You're going to find out who if. If McCabe Mattire is not the guy, he's not he's not going to play well against Kansas State. I mean, that be basically his season is two games this week and next week. If he can't pull it off, got to go with Conchal. Sorry. And he all he did was what give up a sack that forced Beat and Bo to get him out of there right away in the first game. Just shitting on him still. He can't stop. It's amazing. Uh, okay, so. This is going to be a huge week. I mean, you guys are, are Bob and Eddie I'm talking about. Uh, you're, you're spending, we're sending Eddie up for even longer than he would be if it was just for a game because you guys are going to go up and see Malachi Coleman. Uh, you're going to see another kid on Friday night. Cade, Cade McIntyre. Cade, Cade McIntyre. The commit. The commit. Fremont. Uh, and uh, then you're going to cover a game on Saturday morning. Uh, so a, a big weekend of recruiting for you guys. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it should be kind of, Fun. I, I don't think I've ever been to a Nebraska high school football game. I know I have. It's taken an act of Congress <laughs> to get into one of them, but it should be uh, it should be pretty fun. And I, I guess it kind of coincides with, uh, I, I would assume, the news of the day on the Crimson Corner with Josh putting in his forecast for Malachi Coleman. And, you know, everything, obviously, with him being a, Lo- a Lincoln uh, native, kid that goes to Lincoln East High School, uh, it should be a, a bunch of fun here over the next couple of days and especially over, you know, kind of last week. And I'm sure that we're getting ready to recap that as far as Josh's trips to Washington and Kansas City. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I have learned this week that apparently out of state media outlets don't go to Nebraska high school games very often. There isn't a reason most of the time, because if they have elite kids, they stay they stay home. But you, I mean, the re, what we're talking about is they've had a really hard time getting credentials to even go cover these games. Yeah. Um, so it's now been kind I of will say the McIntyre situation. It's been hard to get in Malachi Coleman's game. Okay. We'll just put yeah. it that Ma- way. OU media trying world. to go to Malachi Coleman. It's almost like when we saw Marcus Hicks, the guy that that Wichita was playing against, was kind of a. A jerk to oh, me because yeah. he's like, oh, you don't want to see our kids? Like, well, if you have any. <laughs> We've got one kid with an offer from Emporia. Cool, man. We're going to sell a lot of subs off that one. Like, I don't get me wrong. Like, respect all your kids. I, I, I'm happy to do what we can do. But I never understand. Like, you you aren't calling OU and talking to them about this kid either. Like, don't act like yeah, it's are just you, me. Are you scouting teams that you don't play on your schedule? Because then if you are, then we, you know, you can you can be a dick to me. But otherwise, yeah, why don't you just that, shut up? It, yeah. 
But no, I mean, like I said, it was um, the the K, like Cade McIntyre's people. I think within like thirty minutes of my initial request, were like, "Yeah, sure, just have them bring a credential." Like it was the easiest thing it could ever be, and that's and that's usually the way it is. But every once in a while, you just run into a an issue, and it, it got sorted out. No big deal. Everything's all good. Um, we'll uh, we'll complain about it next week after this is all said and done, and you know Eddie and Bob are the hell out of Nebraska. So, um, <laughs> by the way, but, do I get uh, to make? Do I get to use a laminating machine? Do I need to make some credentials? Ooh, I don't know. No, I'm just using my OSSAA one. I'll take a I'll year. take a credential. <laughs> you gonna work? <laughs> Son of a bitch! You gonna make no? Me I, I I think I have something that we can use. We need to come up with some really like tacky credentials for us to have as a, as a website like really I think big ones be, yeah yeah like and like really like 80s colors like just re- re- like, neon pink and yes, green and yellow yes i'm i'm for all of that one side I, it says I, rivals.com I the other side it says january 6th commission <laughs> oh, God. just for as a goof it'd be funny <laughs> oh yeah it's a I'm goof sure. it's a goof yeah, it's just, a laugh we're just goofing around in small town Nebraska. Yeah. Aren't we popular? Yeah. <laughs> we support Scott Frost. <laughs> oh, God. The Scott Frost Commission for Truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what really happened up here? <laughs> no, it, it, uh, you have put in your Malachi Coleman forecast, mm-hmm. though. Yeah, and I I want to be clear. Like usually when I put in a forecast, it's I, I've heard something fairly definitive. Like this is not exactly that case almost a um, reaction kind of, to the news out of lincoln kind of and i mean like don't give me like I, I, that's the only thing that i hate about the timing of this because it makes it feel like oh he's just doing this because they lost frost it i felt like it's been moving in this direction over the last two or three weeks really really since that northwestern game so i mean like i guess you can make some association with it but it's just felt like more and more he was starting to open up to the idea of maybe this isn't the right place like i and again uh we were talking about it for the pod he's got an incredible relationship with mickey joseph like that that's not going away i'm not saying this is written in stone or anything like it i just think there are some things that are going to work out in the end for oklahoma like i kind of like where that's going to go um joe john finley's put in a lot of good work here uh, I think the staff has really made him a priority. He speaks to them frequently. Um, and so, I, like I said, it's more of a connecting of the dots and, and several different things and some conversations I've had this week, uh, both from the OU side and the Nebraska side, that just kind of make me think this is the direction it's going. Um but like I said, the Mickey Joseph thing is a wild card. Like We, we don't know, would the next staff keep him? You know, I, I've even heard there's some, you know, some around Joseph that think he's a candidate for that job. And if that happens, I, I, I would bet th- that I'm wrong on this forecast. But if not, then does the next staff keep Mickey Joseph? I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's just a lot of variables in the way this could play out. But my guess, just based on some things I've heard, I think this probably turns out well for Oklahoma. Is, is Coleman a pure tight end and if if he, if he's a take and we all know he is does that maybe not allow them to take someone on defense going down the road i again i keep waiting to hear from somebody that's like yeah, okay we've run short on numbers like i'm not hearing that and i don't know what to make of that because i really didn't think 
that was how the, this staff was going to operate. And I'm not saying it's bad. I think it's good. I think this is what you have to do to compete at this level. You're going to have to, you know, walk up to a guy and be like, hey, man, you know, we love you. We think the world of you. You're not part of our future plans. Like, you know, we, we need we, – we'll help you get anywhere you want to go. We can work with you. Whatever you want to do, we're happy to help you. But if you want to play ball, which I'm sure you do, this isn't the place. And so, you know, I, I think it feels like there's going to be some of those conversations. Um, I can't help but wonder if Joseph Wete was one of those conversations just mm-hmm. because he's a guy that just didn't fit into the plans anymore. Like that, that wasn't ever going to be the case. And that's a you know, sincere he, uh, transfer portal it really was. message yeah. as you'll ever find. I, yep. It kind of get, I kind of get the feel, and I don't know this for a fact, but I kind of get the feeling he's walking away from football just in general. I, and the way he mentioned his family it, was kind of a little weird. Yeah, like, it, it doesn't definitely matter. Definitely family. I, yep. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, if you followed him on Instagram, you kind of noticed like he's got a lot of interests that aren't football. Yeah, like I, I think he's stuff. a very successful, like kind of clothier, entrepreneur, I, whatever you, I don't mm-hmm. know what it would like be called. That. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, kinda I mean, like just kind of. Well, he's not an influencer. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Don't By the way, to us, uh, we are restocked but, but, on uh, Make Lindsay Street Great Again shirts. So. I mean, Ooh, we had yeah. TV cameras over here yesterday. We did, yeah. It was a big deal. Uh, but can, student TV can, cameras. Well, they were TV cameras, goddammit! <laughs> can Cade McIntyre, can he flip and play defense? Like, is that something that they would think about maybe doing? And I'm, I'm kind of interested. I know that, like, Bergen Catholic uses him basically. I think he does everything for him. Mm-hmm. But, like, just... From the you know small time that we met each other when I did the interview when I was up in Omaha for the College World Series, his body style I could see him flipping over and playing defense. Uh, I I think that's super interesting on his part. I, I think it would be I think he would be one of those guys you know like hey we don't want to come back and say okay we got Malachi we 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 want you to move now because I mean I'm sure not just. You know, on it. You know, on the face, that's a tough pill to swallow. But another Nebraska guy, I mean, that 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 would be kind of a slap in the face, probably. Like, and I mean, maybe he's a mature enough kid to handle that. But it just doesn't feel like that's oh, a move you need to make. Yeah, like, I see what you're saying. Like, hey, we like this other kid down the street better. Sure, than you, but we sure want both of you. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think you would at least bring him in yeah. and let him start it tied sure. in, see sure. how that goes. Um, and then, and then you could make some, you know, some adjustments if you needed to and kind of figure it out from there. But, um, they are kind you know, of like that Llewellyn, well, Caden Helms body it, style. It would be though. wild. Very similar. If mm-hmm. you lose Parker and Willis after the season, if three of your four tight ends on campus for scholarship were from the state of Nebraska. No oh, shit. <laughs> That is wild. Wow. I didn't even think I hadn't about it. Thought that about way. it. Yeah, yeah. That's Joe really John Finley has a, a Nebraska <laughs> fetish. <laughs> Nebraska, home of the tight ends. I mean, like that. That's just crazy. Well, um, and, and, and not not to go down this road, but it just speaks to the just sheer incompetence that Scott Frost has been running, you know, for a while now. Well, because Nebraska 80s, didn't even those, pursue Cade McIntyre, right? Mm-hmm. And and and. You know, from what we had talked about back when I when we interviewed him, and he might I don't know if he said this during the interview, but it was basically not just a, we're not interested in you. It was a we're not even talking to you. We're not even going to try to recruit you. Not even the half-hearted OU recruiting Eric McCarty under Lincoln Riley. Efforts. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like 
six three six four two ten and can run in your home state? Like what? What are we? To me, that yeah, would how be many like, of those oh, guys you, are in Nebraska? Who has yeah. a who has a brother that I understand is a really good player in his own right up at I believe uh, Wyoming. Wyoming, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and I mean, and so, and you add that to you know, guys, that'd be like OU completely ghosting Morgan Pearson, right? Like a very similar body type, very similar athlete, and like I don't think OU's ever going to have room for Morgan Pearson, but they've never ignored him. Like it's never been like that. He's back on campus again. I, I yeah, the, the baseball team really wants Morgan <laughs> Pearson. Yeah, I, I I keep hearing that's his future. By the way, you know what 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 that kind of reminds me of just the talk of that is like, I it just gave me like flashback. Like you think about like. When Oklahoma State was at their heyday with Mike Gundy and those guys, and they would play Nebraska, and it was like every year in the state, and I know this dates me because this is way before any of you guys, but it would literally be like this whole statewide thing of, wow, could Oklahoma State actually hang with Nebraska? Like, And then they'd play in Nebraska, just wipe the floor with them. But like you think about those programs and where they are now, like Oklahoma State they would never miss on a kid like that in their own state. Yeah. Like they are so good at evaluating, and it shows you why their program is where they are, and why Nebraska is where they are. Sure. Yeah. That I mean, to for Nebraska in the state. I mean, and I think he's clearly. I was going to say the state they're in to not recruit McIntyre. OU's in the state they're in, and they're recruiting Kate McIntyre. So like that is that's just abysmal to to miss that badly, but. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't think, you know, to, I guess to kind of get us back and finish out, I don't think there's going to be a huge numbers issue here. Um, because I, I think you're starting to see some whittling down and we'll get into that conversation a little bit, uh, with, with some of the defensive guys that maybe they're not going to hit on. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of see where that goes. But I, I mean, if you told me this class is 28 or 29, I, I'm not going to be stunned. Like, I think that's entirely possible. And guys, I somebody asked me in um, you know to kind of excite everybody. Um, somebody asked me in board chat if OU were to land uh, David Hicks, Peyton Bowen, and I believe Ryan Yates were their three that they kind of hypothetical to me. Where where would OU finish in the rankings? And I just did those three. And for those that don't know, like once you get above twenty in the rivals rankings, you just take the top twenty. The, yeah, the yeah. the those three because they're highly rated would replace the three lowest rated guys, which right now are like Caleb Spencer, Cade McIntyre, and um, uh, uh, Joshua Bates. Bates. Josh Bates, yeah. and um, so those three would jump in. So it's not like okay, you just get all the points that David Hicks is worth or all that Peyton Bowen's worth. You get the difference in the total. So it, I think it came out to like twenty seven. 65 or 45 or something like that, which over the last five years would average out to like number four in the country. That And that's just those three. That's not Malachi Coleman. That's not Tassilia Kana. That's not Jordan Renaud. Like that's just those three. And that's where that point total would have finished in the previous five classes. One was like two or three, one was six. And I think one was four and one was five over the last. So, I mean, like you're talking about, Air that Oklahoma's only hit once in 15 years, and that's the top five, and that was that 2019 class that we all know did not pan out the way uh, the way some had hoped when it was signed. Well, Josh, you want to hit Renaud before we go into our trips from the last week? Sure, sure. Um, so Jordan Renaud took his official visit last weekend. We talked about it, uh, you know, last week in the pod, and 
From everything I've heard, it went really well. Um, I, I got the impression that going into Sunday, I'm not sure you really knew where they stood. And then he spent some time uh, with, with Venables, uh, really had some kind of one-on-one time with his family and the coaching staff. And the people I talked to really think mom and dad want him at Oklahoma. Like that, that would be their preference. Um, obviously a little closer to home. Uh, I think they really like the the man that Todd Bates is, uh, that, that Miguel Chavis is, that Brent Venables is, and really feel a connection there. Um, and they feel comfortable sending their son to Oklahoma. Not not that they don't in Alabama. I don't want to present it that way, but just that maybe they're a little more comfortable with that situation. Um, my other impression is that Jordan Renaud probably prefers Alabama a little bit. Now, we'll see. I mean, we've seen a 100 times where – it goes the kid's way, you know, or what you're hearing the kid wants. And we've seen it go what mom and dad want. Like it, it goes, it, it can be anything. So we'll see. Obviously his decision is rapidly approaching. Monday. Um, yeah. I, I, if you made me pick right now, I would pick Alabama. Uh, I don't think that's a crazy idea. I don't think people are wrong to feel that. I know, um, like I know Steve Wiltfong, a, a guy that, you know, is, is really a, uh, a, a big deal whenever he puts a prediction and he's, he's picked Alabama and I, I, I wouldn't even argue that. I just, I'm a little, I think it's closer than people think it is and I'm going to wait a little longer to see what I hear. Um, but like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I, I think it's, it's a really tight race. It's not like some of the other ones we've seen where I'm kind of trying to find a way to say, Oh yeah, anything could happen. Like, no, like uh, this is a legitimate, two-horse race i don't think anything would surprise anybody at this point some interesting news out of uh, the college football world pete thamel reporting the sec has directed georgia and tennessee to not play their home and home non-conference series against oklahoma the bulldogs had ou scheduled in 23 and 31 the vols 2020 game in norman was canceled amid covid and was expected to be made up down the line so i think everybody can kind of read between the lines there that's just some breaking news as we record this. Okay, so, I mean, this is uh, why that is significant is Whoa. if you hadn't heard, uh, Tell the us. SEC, uh-huh. I'm just, I'm reinforcing what you said because people might tune you out. Ouch. Ouch. Well, Ouch. you say a lot of inflammatory things. I'm going to reach the olds <laughs> as well. Uh, <laughs> So they're basically saying Georgia don't play OU in twenty three, which Correct. you wouldn't say that if if you didn't think or unless unless yes you were going to both be in the SEC at the yeah, same let time. Me, let, let me break it down for the S, for the for the Facebook crowd <laughs> that tuned you out. <laughs> OU I is going to the SEC soon. I do. Oof, you guys think that's is it is really it is it that simple? Or is it because there's another there's a return game in of God of all things in 2031? Be is there a well? Okay, if you go to OU, there's a good chance you're not getting that return trip. Like that contract right. wouldn't be able the to same, be fulfilled. Same thing with Tennessee. I mean, I, this is like one of those conversations that we just probably don't have enough time. It's an entirely different podcast. Yep. <laughs> it seems like though that this thing is going to start moving down the tracks one way. Very, very soon, and you know, I don't. Can we know just if, get past Nebraska before we have a, sure? You know, a breaking news that OU is definitely going to the SEC next year. Yeah. Well, and I, I do think though that like 
And I don't know if it's as anything, because this is coming out of SEC offices, the OU Board of Regents are meeting today and tomorrow. I don't know if they would approve it. Like, state. I don't I even think that it's anything that's even on the, and I do have something on the Board of Regents meeting we can, at the very end, we can get to. But Okay. Just, I wanted to throw that out there as we recorded. I put it on the board. I wanted everybody else to uh, know and react. I, I'm i ready to overreact to it. Who, who's ready? Let's go. OU playing in Starkville next year. <laughs> Done. Were, were we wrapped up with Jordan Bernard, though? I mean, obviously, yep. very yeah. positive I, news. I guess my only quote, yep. would that open the door for Caden McDonald again? Well... That's what's interesting. So I have, uh, and it's in woke. You know, I, I'll I'll skirt around some of it, but I talked to Caden this week. First time he and I have connected in probably a month. I mean, it, it's been pretty quiet with him. And excuse me, um, I I just got the impression that I mean, like when he was talking to me, he was like, "Oh, I, I talk to Coach Bates and Coach Venables every day," and. You know, I've talked about this pod for a long time. Usually, as tight as the relationship is between the recruit and Oklahoma, it usually dictates how well my relationship goes with that player. Because if Oklahoma's not that involved, they don't want to waste time on me. I get it. No offense taken. Like that, that's perfectly fine. I, for the fact that he went, because he was very talkative in the spring, back when we were here and all the positive buzz, and it felt like maybe Oklahoma led for him. And then it kind of died off, and he was kind of hit and miss and was very quiet and then all of a sudden this week he's back in he set up an official visit um i i just i'm like man i don't don't know and i i don't think it's directly related to renaud because they're very different players i would think if anything if they lose out in renaud it just doubles the importance of tacilia Kana, um who's actually going to come in the same weekend as caden mcdonald so they'll both um I, I I mean there there's more in woke so I'll he's they're they're going to come in on October fifteenth which very interestingly with all that we've talked about is the Kansas weekend like I I, I, I that's just a curveball I did not foresee that two of their what six or seven remaining recruits are you know are going to come in on Kansas weekend is, like I, I just didn't see that coming. Is that a situation that maybe the coaching staff, and I'm not saying that they would take that Kansas game more lightly, it's, but well, it is it is an opportunity to maybe spend more time with yep. guys. It's, it's, it's not something that you're having to be, and again, like I don't want to say like it sounds bad when I say not dialed in, but you're just not on edge like you would be Baylor, for a Kansas State Bedlam. or a Baylor or a Bedlam yep. game. Well, and you also, guys, let's just be honest with the reality. You have a much better chance of that recruit having a positive game experience sure. than you do in Bedlam or um, uh, the other big home one that I'm just Baylor. going to totally blank on. Baylor, Baylor. yeah. Um, so, you know, th- those are, I mean, Baylor's probably a coin flip, guys. And Oklahoma, Bedlam, I mean, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, I, I'd pick OU, but that's Bedlam, man. Anything can happen. Um, so I, I think you also wait like, okay. Because, I mean, Cecilia Kana, he was at Texas last weekend. Cool. He saw him play well and all that. He also saw him lose. Like, and, you know, okay, so what's Saturday night like when he goes out with the players? Like, we lost. The parties aren't going to be as good. Well, like, victory. You know, realities uh. of life. Yeah. So it, it's just not going to be, you know, yeah, the, the moral the moral victory parties aren't quite as fun as the victory parties. So, 
Um, you know, I we'll see. I, I I'm I think that's an interesting tactic, and we'll see if maybe that's maybe that's something they do. Maybe that's something they choose to do going forward. And the nice thing for them is it may be a respectable game. Like Kansas may come in and be, hey man, they're trying to fight for a bowl. You know, like they they've got a reason to to kind of be you know motivated. This is a a decent game that's not going to be like you know the the crowd leaves after the first quarter because OU's up by forty. So that um you know I I, I like I said that's going to be interesting to follow how they choose to handle that if that's something that becomes a pattern or if that's just when it worked out. Um but we'll you know like I said we'll we'll see and um uh you know we can get into more of that but I, I do think it's interesting and I think Caden to me it's just they're trying to weigh out Caden and Marcus Deal. I think that's because you look at nose, those are the two guys that make sense. And as much as I think Marcus Deal is a talented guy, I think Marcus Deal is a future NFL offensive lineman. If anybody can ever convince him, that's where his future is. Caden McDonald is a nose's nose. Like I that that I love him. I think he would be a huge and really underappreciated addition for this class if Oklahoma could make it work. Washington trip, Josh. You saw two Oklahoma commits. I know that I went and saw Jackson Arnold on the same night. I mean, we hit four games last week, and what was it? Yeah, there was an Oklahoma commit or more in all four of them. In four different yeah. states. In four different states. That's right. I didn't even think about it that way. Wow. It's amazing, Eddie, that you watched the game in Texas while I was not in the state of Texas. So that that is um, an interesting little sidebar. But, yeah, Washington, go up and see, like I said, my first ever game. Um I tweeted out the picture, man. I can't lie. Seeing Mount Rainier in the background of guys warming up, that's pretty freaking cool. Like, I was like, that's, that's kind of a shot I have to take. And awesome. I kept like trying to, I kept trying to get it right. And Josiah Wagner kept turning his back to me. I'm like, turn to me for a second. That's all I need. But, uh, finally, finally got enough that I was pleased with it. But, um, I came away really impressed with Josiah Wagner. That dude is just a football player, like just a tough guy. He fits. All that you know, you everything that fans hear Brent talk about in his press conferences, everything leading up, he's just a football player, man. Like he is, he's a little bigger than I thought he was, a little more filled out in his frame, probably five eleven, you know, one seventy five, not like a a monster or anything like that, but he's he's bigger and broader than I thought he was going to be, and um, you know, Eddie, I think you put up a video. Guy got penalized for uh, you know unnecessary roughness. Like you don't see that at the at the cornerback nickelback position all that often. That he is a more than willing tackler, going to come up play hard. I thought really looks good in coverage. Although you know they didn't challenge him at all. It, it was like okay, we're going to stay away from eight. We're just going to let him live his life, and we're going to stay over here. Um, but you know made some plays on offense. Um, like I said, you know, and maybe my favorite part is. You can see, and I, I put it up on one of the stories we ran from that. Um, he's his chin in the post game was just covered in blood. Like Love I mean, he had, and I uh, and I said, "When did you do that?" And he goes, "I don't know." And I'm like, "That's my kind of DB, right?" There. I love it. Like he wasn't like, "Oh God," like you know, like worried about picture day. You know, the next day he was like, "I don't know when it happened, man. I just I busted it on somebody." And he and Heath were joking around after the game. There's a there's a play when they call a a little reverse and Heath gets out in front and he sees Josiah and you could just see him like lock in. He was like, I'm that, that's my guy right there. And he just buries Josiah. And you think like, Oh, Josiah's going to be pissed. No, man, they just popped up kind of, you know, patted each other on the butt and went back to the, to their huddles. But, 
Um, it was it was a fun game to watch. Like I said, um, uh, Wagner's team, Spanaway Lake, came out ahead, came out on top. Uh, Heath, um, like I said, I, I, I they're very raw. But the thing I did notice, kind of like Wagner, a lot more physically developed than I expected him to be. He's 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 been in the weight room, like you can tell. Like there, there's been work done there. He looks good. Um, I think he's probably a guard. He played uh, a lot of tackle for uh, for Mount Sai. I think he's a guard at the next level. He's probably about six four and a half, two eighty, two eighty five, but well put together, real strong. Um, as he starts to like his lower body hasn't really filled out yet. Once that starts to happen, I mean, he could be a drive block and really, you know, really effective guy. Um, might kind of remind you of like a Drew Samia type. Um, I think I'd like to see him finish a little bit stronger, be a little more physical um, as the play goes on. But the athletic tools are there. And, um, you know, he did an interview with me after the game. But, again, talking about Wagner being a tough guy, I like that it pissed him off he lost. Like, I, 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 I'm always troubled a little bit by guys who are like, yeah, man, you want to talk? You want to catch up? And I'm like, aren't you mad? Like, y- y- you lost, man. And and he was. like, But he was. it was really – I know you've come this far. Let me help you out. Like he, he was very, very good about it. And, um, so he gave me a few minutes and, and that kind of thing. But I came away, like I said, super impressed. Uh, both teams had some talent. I, I, Spanaway Lake, uh, Wagner's team has a sophomore running back that might be a guy that OU comes back and looks at in a couple of years. They're, they're, they've got some interesting players. So you're like the Red Sox fans in the movie Fever Pitch when Johnny Damon's out eating dinner after they lost. Yeah, I want him to hurt. Yeah, I, I want it. It should. I mean, right? Which is, Shouldn't it's it be a pa- terrible movie, by the way? What an because it's awful, about soccer. Awful movie. <laughs> I mean, it's about uh, soccer. It's gonna suck. Yeah. Yeah, you know who that movie was about? That movie's about Arsenal. That, that's, Actually, that, that, that's Arsenal. The book was about mm-hmm. soccer. I'm saying that wrong. Yeah. Yeah. The movie they adapted it for the Red Sox, for baseball. and that's why it sucked. Yeah, well, it and sucks. they they made a movie. There's a movie about the soccer team. Oh, really? About the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's really pretty good. Based uh, on the got, Roger Hornby book. Yep, yep. Um, there, uh, not uh, uh, David David Hornsby, I think, is his name. Roger Hornsby is a baseball yeah, player. Baseball player. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that doesn't sound right. Um, no, it's Nick but, Horn- uh, Nick Hornby is his name. It's the guy uh, Colin. Um, it's a British actor, Colin. Farrell. No, Firth. Uh, Firth. That's yeah, the only it's Colin, Colin Firth. That's the only yeah. actor that I knew. That's named Colin. <laughs> he, he, he plays the Jimmy Fallon role. He, he's the Arsenal fan. Oh, he's the psycho and, fan. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, um, it's been a. No, it, go ahead. No, no, I don't think. I think I was just stammering on. Go, I was. Go I was just gonna say it's been a long, long time since you've sent me some film from a game, <laughs> and I've gotten slightly excited and erect after Ooh, watching yeah. it. <laughs> and that was that was what I happened to be at when uh, you sent me the uh, PJ at a Yep, that is some impressive shit. The the clip, and I don't know if you've put it out on Twitter. I know it's what you put up on the board to yeah, go I, along. Yeah, I put with. it. I put it with your breakdown. I believe the okay. playing the zone read. <laughs> that I mean, because guys, like it's hard. I mean, you guys saw him. You were there at camp with me. That's a big guy. It's hard to appreciate him changing direction like that. That's not normal. Most most guys cannot do that, and would have been just dead to rights. Because the quarterback reads and makes the right read. P.J. collapses down a little bit hard on the zone read, and so he gives it to the running back to, to go wide, and it's a good little back. Guys had some nice runs that night for uh, for Platte, C- or Platte County. That's the worst. It's in Platte City. The name of the high school is Platte County. I've done this about 37 times. I keep getting them crossed up. 
Um, but anyway, uh, and, and PJ just like two, three steps redirects and is tracked down the running back before he's to the hash. Like it's, it's a freaky play. And, and that's the kind of, like I was telling, um, our guy Clint Cosgrove, uh, our rivals Midwest guy, he just happened to be there that night watching PJ and Edric Hill. And then obviously Platt County has Chandavian Bradley, who's going to, uh, Tennessee. So we were just both there watching and we were, we were, I was telling him, I was like, guys, are, you know, it's been years since OU signed a defensive end with this kind of potential. Like, I mean, he, PJ Atabare has, could be a top 10 pick someday kind of talent. Like that, that, that's how special he is. Um, and I, you know, I made the compa- comparison when he committed to Alden Smith and I, I don't think I'm wrong on that. Like he has special ability. Um, now hopefully, has his stuff together a little more than Alden Smith did, but and you know I think I, everybody's I talk, <laughs> got their stuff together more than <laughs> yes. Alden Smith. Well, and and I talked to Alden. Or, oh God, I talked to Alden. I you talked survived? to PJ. Wow. <laughs> I talked to uh, PJ earlier today, and uh, you know, for those that don't know, he's going to graduate early. He'll be in Norman, and I kind of asked him, and he was like, you know, if you're not getting started early, what are you even doing? And I'm like, dang, like that—that's a guy that's just about his business. Like that—that's he is a. He is a college guy right now. Like he thinks of it on those levels. He's, and the thing is, you know, he was fighting through an injury. He's got a, uh, I, I, he and I kind of talked about it. I don't want to get into too much depth. He, he's got a little nagging injury in the upper body. And I'm going to, I'm going to go with Lincoln Riley, uh, there. Um, and he's fighting through it and he's not right. And you could see him, you know, during the game kind of working it out and messing with it and, um, He's not where he wants to be, but he, he wants to help his team. And so he's got to walk that line of like, I have a lot of future in front of me that I don't want to screw up. And at the same time, you know, I don't want to miss my senior year with all my friends. It was so impressive. Like, I just kept thinking, <laughs> this guy, it, he just looks like somebody that Oklahoma hasn't, he's one of those guys that OU recruits and you go, man, it'd be nice to get. And then they never get him. Well, and he ends up in got, Georgia or Alabama or you know Texas or A and M or wherever. And they've got two guys like that, Colton Vosick. I mean, yeah. Colton Vosick's oh, destroying yeah. people right now for Westlake at um, one of the highest levels in the state of Texas. I mean, yeah, the, the highest. highest level. Yes. <laughs> yeah that that team that I saw, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Evans. I mean, he played Anthony Evans a week after. I didn't go because I was told from some very good places that he was not anywhere near a hundred percent. He destroyed. And, he like my um, our buddy Mike Craven that works for uh, uh, Dave Campbell's sends me a, a video and I'm like, good God, why didn't I go? He had like three sacks in the first half. He was just terrorizing Judson's quarterback, and you know, so that and then again, like I said, you're still going after Tassilia Kana. Like I mean, they could have three. I, I I can't remember where Tassilia's ranked. I think he's in the top 100 at this point, but three borderline top 150 in the country defensive ends in one class. OU is barely signed one of those in the last, you know, five, six, seven years. Like that just doesn't happen very often. It's it's gotta be a little I mean, right, it is a little weird because I think OU fans got so used to recruiting high level offensive players. Like I don't think people have any idea about like how good some of these guys are that Brent's recruiting. No. Because it's just you're not used to it. Like I think back in the day you'd have like, you know, you get like RJ Washington and uh sure. you know, this and that in in I'm trying to think the bigger defensive freaks. I mean, probably like, I mean, you yeah, Gerald. Yeah, Gerald. You have I to mean, go that far Tommy back Harris. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Dusty wasn't like celebrated 
as a, a recruit when he was you know when he was signed he he sure. was celebrated because he performed when he got here yep. but I mean, I'm just trying to think like, you know, Zach Latimer was really highly, you know, Huge ranked, uh, yeah. then just never panned out. But Lance Mitchell. Lance, Lance was a Mitchell. Big, big yeah. deal. I mean, yeah. there's I mean, been some some you're, serious busts like years Jokey ago. and uh the other who was we talked about the linebacker hey. of Kansas State, who was the the linebacker, the Kelly kid that was a total bust that was a five star Juco. Mike Reed. Oh, Mike uh, Mike uh, Mike Reed. Reed. Mike Reed. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I'm thinking of. Yeah, uh, but I mean, this week of all weeks, Chijoke cannot be called a. a That's bust. right. This is the Nebraska week in Lincoln. I mean, he yeah. picked six, man. That's when he came. That's when when he finally had his one shining moment the that we thought was going to turn on. into something big, and then it just never did. Like every recruiting fan, OU recruiting fan in the world was like, "Now it starts." Like our, you know, he's going to be an All American, and he just never did anything else ever again. So. But- Speaking of offense, Eddie, you saw OU's 2023 quarterback commit, and we yeah. might have seen their 2025. Yeah, I, Grady Adamson was very impressive on Friday night, but I did go down to Denton Geyer to see Jackson Arnold, and I walked away. Like, I, I know that Nick Evers is really good. You know, obviously, Davis Bevel and General Booty are on campus, but in, uh, I, and I was thinking about this on the drive home. It's like, if in a perfect world you get Gabriel back next year, he would sit behind Gabriel, be the second string guy, and then he would be the starter from day one. Like, I think Jackson or I, I thought he was really impressive. He just throws such a good ball, and everything that he does looks like it just comes so natural to him. I think a little bit of that is because Denton Geyer's just so goddamn better than everybody else. But at the same time, he, he just has a certain presence around him, and his ability to throw that, not it's not like a deep ball, but it's like that intermediate deep ball is mm-hmm. what I what I call it and it just like <laughs> his it's touch it's like a deep ball but it's like a it's like the not a, quite a cuz I don't ball, feel like he's ball. he's truly like letting it fly yeah but he has such great touch on the ball yeah i thought he was just exceptional and obviously they're going to be uh you know one of the best teams in the state of texas they're going to be playing well into uh, you know december probably and past close signing to day absolutely i mean they are really really good but so are you joining Archon on after seeing him in person? Uh, I mean, I think he's pretty damn good. If that's not if if that's not a five star, I don't know what is. That's the movement he's joining. Yeah, that, like he Jack, needs to be a five. Oh, come star. Come on, join Archon on. <laughs> I just don't get it. I, I'm not a conspiracy guy. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> but no, it it you uh, just promote a conspiracy guy. Jackson Arnold, I thought, and we talked afterwards. You can see the interview. We put it up on the board and everything like that. But he just seems like he gets it. I know that's so cliche and so easy to say, but I can see why he's a, you know, obviously why he's the quarterback and the leader of this kind of 2023 class. And what about the Bowen boys and Yates? Yeah, I, Peyton Bowen's unbelievable. I, I was a little bit surprised. He does the kick returns for Denton Geyer, and he almost broke off a couple. I mean, they beat the shit out of a Lancaster team that was coming off of a win over South Oak Cliff, who won the state championship last year in the state of Texas. So, uh, they were really impressive. I thought Yates was really good, and I, you know, even Eli Bowen. He's not just a, the little brother of Peyton Bowen. Awesome. Like yeah. they, they stay on one side of the field and basically shut it the entire thing down. I thought the Landon Slides kid was a pretty good player. The uh, the little wide receiver for them. We don't see color, but whatever. 
Did I say white? <laughs> I think it, I said it was, white. it was tough to tell what you said. If it was a I, white I think, receiver I think I said little light receiver, and I meant I was gonna say white, and I was like, and then it like my brain malfunctioned. <laughs> you you decided but to he, erase but, it, but, uh, but he is a little white receiver, and he's good. I think he's gonna he can go play somewhere. All right. Anything uh, else we need oh, to get I, to before we get out? Well, here? just oh, yeah, real quick. Uh, Friday. Grady Adamson, I thought was he was terrific. Jacoby Johnson was as what we've known him to be. It stinks that we could watch him three years in high school and not know what he is as a corner. Yeah, but we know he's a football player. Yeah, and he just—I mean—he has the look of somebody that you go, yeah. Once he gets to OU and Jay Valai gets a hold of him, I can com- completely see why they would be wanting to turn him around and play him on defense. He's a damn good receiver though in high school. Yep, and then Adamson, first time we've seen him in a game setting. And Couldn't be more impressed for him to go for in. Twenty twenty five kid to go into Mustang and to throw the ball the way that he did on that on the drive to kick the field goal, Bob. I mean, he made plays with his legs. Third down, fourth down. He third made down, big like throws. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, Josh, I know that you saw the play that I think that's a, a fourth and uh, long, and he just throws a stripe into a, a a receiver and hits him right out of the break. I mean, it was. Very, very impressive, and I, you know, Bob and I both walked away from there thinking he's a lot bigger than I was thinking he was going to be. He, he, like, again, guys, I, I the twenty twenty five in state quarterbacks are insane. Crazy. <laughs> Shaker, McComb, yep, Connor Quintero, um, who we really haven't seen a whole lot of. Oh, he's twenty six. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. even more impressive. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, and, and that's like. I went. I saw a few clips of Grady. Put him in our uh, database, and then I just kind of hit up Wade Stanley, like, "Hey, what's your practice schedule look like?" And he said, "Oh," and I just kind of had a window, and I was like, "Well, okay, I'm going to go see this kid." And I'm watching him. And I'm like, "Holy crap!" Like it, it was. It was kind of feels like I took a flyer, and it was a, a chance to see the Dale Miller kid as well. But I was like, "I, I want to see. Like, is this kid as good as he looked on tape?" And Man, like there's to me, there's no question. That's a power five quarterback all day, every day. Now, whether he's OU's guy in 2025, I don't know that yet. But would it shock me if it plays that way? Not at all. Like, I mean, he he really has a lot of ability. He's a good athlete. Um, I don't have a good comp for him. No, nobody he like really reminds me of right off the top of my head. But yeah, I like the kid a lot. All right, uh, I think we got to get out of here. I actually yep. have to go talk to a journalism class. Teach them about our lives. Get them some interns. Uh, I, I, w- I was going to say the... Uh, I'm shopping for interns? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Board yes. of Regents. That's what I, I'm saying. <laughs> by the time this comes out, Board of Regents will probably already approve it, but I'm hearing that Patty is going to get a sizable... Uh, raise. By the way, uh, just like, announced like by a lot of a lot of money. OU football. They will replace uh, the Georgia and Tennessee series, uh, and they're starting with SMU. They announced a home and home with SMU. Well, that sucks. Wow, it's almost like OU knew about this. That's weird. Hmm. hmm. That's a good series. Already. I mean, I don't mind that. Yeah, I wanted. Fun. I wanted. I wanted uh, a school out west. Uh, Garrett Riley reception. Yeah, bring that son of a bitch. No, no, he's at TCU now. Yeah, he's at TCU. That's right. That's right. I forgot. He followed Sonny. All right. uh, Soonerscoopstore.com. The Eddie merch is back in stock, and uh, the flags are coming. I promise they'll be up uh, by this weekend. I've got the photo room all ready to go. Uh, And uh, 
shirts are back in stock. So uh, go uh, go get them while they're still here because they'll go fast. And uh, we've got the unofficial 40 retro helmets fully stocked again. Uh, so if you are looking for one of those and we're out of your size, uh, go get one of those while you can as well. Uh, we're not caving into the pressures of cease and desists. So um, we're still in stock. So uh, we're going to... Uh, Get out of here. The guys are heading to Nebraska tomorrow. Safe travels to y'all. Josh, safe travels uh, this weekend as well. And uh, we'll be back again uh, for the post-game show. We'll figure out how we're going to do that, uh, but we'll get one for you. And remember, look, I want to apologize. We've had some iTunes issues. We're getting that all worked out. We have switched uh, hosting providers. We're getting off of SoundCloud. We're on Spotify now. Uh, So hopefully all this will work out. We'll find out when we post this one uh, how quickly it, it... shifts to iTunes, but we want to get the iTunes stuff worked out for you guys. And I know it's been frustrating and I apologize, uh, but hopefully we'll get this fixed and we won't have these problems moving forward. So uh, we have been working hard on that. Should have that all fixed uh, uh, here soon. So you don't have any problems either downloading or just seeing uh, the episodes on iTunes. So uh, outside of that, Spotify, uh, Google podcast, uh, we've switched over everything and are switching over some Uh, So just bear with us a little bit longer, but all the issues should be worked out here very soon. But remember, we have the unofficial 40 uh, for the week, and then the Oklahoma Sooners postgame is a separate podcast after the game that you have to uh, subscribe to. So uh, make sure you subscribe. That makes it easier as well, uh, whether you're on iTunes or follow on Spotify, whatever you want to do. So thanks for listening. Thanks to all the great sponsors, uh, DeadSoxy.com and PrimeShrimp.com. Appreciate your support of our sponsors as well. And we'll be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from SoonerScoop.com.